Okay, I'm going to start with the scripture, which is Ephesians 4, verse 17 um, onwards. So um, we, will, we will start with that. Um, so with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, put and let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Okay, so today we are continuing our series on discipleship. If you weren't here last week, we talked about the Queen and how she lived her life as a disciple. We continue on this series. Um, and just so we're all on the same page, a disciple is a learner. Effectively, that's what a disciple does. A disciple learns. In the context that we are in at the moment, uh, a disciple of Jesus who is, is someone who's literally learning to become more and more like Jesus in every single aspect of their lives, in their lifestyle, in their attitudes, in everything that they do. So today's preach... When applied, it's going to help us to become far stronger on the inside. That's a good thing, straight off. Far more resilient. It will help us to achieve our true potential, which I'm sure we all want that, don't we? Yeah, that's great. And it will help us to reflect Christ's image far, far more. So that's what we're going to do. My name's Christian, before I go any further. I am the pastor of the church with my wife, just for those that are not aware, and a big warm welcome online. So I'm going to start with a question. Are you ready for your question? Is there ever on the front row puts their hand there? I keep like that. Um, we all have buttons. Do you know what I mean by that? Do you have, do you have buttons? Um, like, um, if I press certain buttons, you would react in a bad way. No? Look at you looking at me as if I've got no buttons. Um, so my question is, really, what is yours? What do you react to badly when something bad happens or when something even minor happens? Anyone got anything they're willing to fess up to um, online? <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely nobody. You can now uh, fess up to your, your spouse's buttons because they're usually the, what I normally find at this point, or siblings. Um, the boss is a, is a popular one. The boss can press your buttons quite easily. A computer can sometimes press my buttons. Yeah, do you ever get a, a bit annoyed with the computer? Print. I said print. I do not know where the printer is. I cannot connect with the printer. It's just here. There we are. So the, the printer, the car sometimes gets people annoyed. Uh, very clever people sometimes get people annoyed and press buttons. I don't know if you find that. Do you ever get annoyed with really clever people? I don't, personally. Um, so there's a lot. There's one incident we went through recently where we were coming back from visiting my mum, uh, who lives in Manchester. And um, we were due to arrive back at 9.30 p.m. The kids are in the back. It's going dark. 9.30 p.m. is about all right. It's bedtime-ish. And so we think we could get away with 9.30 p.m. And all the way through, Google Maps is saying, your estimated time of arrival is 9.30 p.m. And I'm thinking, that's all right. This is good. We're going in a good direction here. And, um, and all the way through, clear traffic, clear traffic, which is, you know, a miracle in itself when you're going down the M6 and M5. 
Um, and we go in there, and then we got about 20 minutes away, I, I would say. So it's 9, 10 p.m., and it's going queue ahead. I'm thinking that'd be all right. Do you ever play that kind of gamble? Be all right. Queue ahead. We keep on traveling. 15 minutes away now. Queue ahead. Oh, we'll go all right. And we go past the junction. Queue past whatever junction it was. Queue ahead. We go past this junction, and that it was standstill. And there were basically four lanes of traffic went down to one lane of traffic on the motorway. So you do the right thing at this point, don't you? You get into that lane of traffic, don't you? I mean, that's what I do. Well, my wife was driving, but that's what we do. It was the, it was the, uh, it was the fast lane. It wasn't fast at all, but it was the fast lane. That was the open lane. Everything else was closed. The other three lanes were closed. So you're waiting. And people are streaming past on the other sides. They're just zooming past on the other three lanes. Now, I'm all right for a bit, but this estimated time of arrival is going now 10 o'clock, 10.30. And I'm going, it's not fair. We've not moved. And they're all whizzing past till at 70 miles an hour. There were even lorry drivers doing it. Now, I'm sorry, but lorry drivers are usually all right. But even lorry drivers are going, stuff this, I'm not waiting. And they're going right to the front of the queue with their pass for some reason and then cutting in right at the end. Now, you wouldn't do this in a supermarket, would you? Or maybe you would, I don't know. But if you were in a supermarket queue and you had like, you know, you have two items sometimes and someone's got 10 gazillion in front of you, you don't go, just let me get to the front. You don't do that in a supermarket. You wait politely and hope that the person in front is going to say, oh, you've only got two items. Would you go in front? Do you do that? You, you, I do a bit of hoping. I don't push in. After a while, it got me totally annoyed. And I was doing my nutting in, this, in, my, in the car. So much so that the people in the other car that were waiting were starting laughing at me, I think. <laughs> so it's just, <laughs> it's like that. So we all have buttons. That's the point of the story. Yes, do we have buttons? I say we all do. Some people are looking like you don't, but there we go. So do you ever wonder why you react badly to situations? Do you know? I mean, um, after all, we've all been saved, haven't we? We've all been set free. You're all new creations. Yeah. <laughs> the old has gone, the new has come. You're dead to sin, you're alive to Christ. What's happening on the inside that's causing us to have these things? So we're having another season, um, another session on the discipleship, because I'd like to just explore a little bit more. Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23, very, very popular one for a lot of people. Uh, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And those things were certainly not evident in my life when I was sat in on the M5 at 10.30 at night. But the point is, why not? And how do we get to the bottom? Because why do we have reactions that are so opposite to the promises in the Bible that we can be living our life at? Why, when drivers cut in, and I don't obey the rules of the road, do I get a little bit angry at times? Or can we get frustrated over small issues? Um, John 8, verse 32, is a fascinating verse and something which we'll just look at now. This is Jesus speaking to um, his disciples and other believers. He says the following, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Very popular. A lot of people know that the truth sets you free. So if it's the truth that sets you free, 
then by pure logic, what is it that can hold us captive? Lies. Lies can hold us back. There are things that we can hold on to from our past. There are things that we can hold on to about lies from our past that can hold us down. Lies that we believe about who God is a lot of the time. Is he truly good? Is he truly for us? Is he truly with us? Or lies that we believe about ourselves. And where do these come from? Where do these lies appear from? A lot of the time they can come from a past experience or quite a few past experiences. A lot of the time they can come when people have treated us badly or when we've been through situations where we thought, well, actually they thought I was a disappointment then, I wasn't good enough then, I wasn't lovable enough then, I wasn't important to that person, I wasn't worthy. Or you've been made to feel guilty. All sorts of things. Or in lots of other experiences where lies can be transmitted into us and cause us to have an image of ourselves that isn't quite true. Okay, are you with me so far? So lies that we believe. Now, you might be thinking, I don't have any lies. Well, that's great. That's wonderful. I'm very, very happy for you if that's the situation. We will explore further about that in a minute. But if we can identify any lies that you may be currently believing about yourself, then with God's truth, we can unlock those lies. Are you with me? You're with the, the program so far at this particular point. And then we can release more joy, more peace, more grace, more truth, more of the fruit of the Spirit, more of our potential, the more we can unlock the stuff that's holding us back. And that is a big part of learning to grow as a disciple, is to understand what's inside of me that's holding me back. Because we are all capable and, and full of so much more. And that's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Because our future is better than our past. Do you know that? Yeah, it is. I see a church that is blossoming in the truth of God, of a secure knowledge of who God is and who they are in God. A, ch a church that is rooted in the love of God. A church who is full of God's spirit. This is what I see more and more as I pray. A church where miracles and salvations abound. A church of disciples that have a rich and vibrant relationship with Jesus. This is a strong and victorious and courageous church of overcomers. And that's your future. Amen? Yeah, okay, you can applaud if you want to, but it's up to you. But God's got a great future exploding on the inside of each and every single one of you. And it's good. And you should be expectant for something good to be happening because God is giving you a better future than what you have gone through so far. And as we become increasingly full of God's joy and his grace, his truth, people who are yet to know him, People who don't know Jesus yet will become curious about what's happening on the inside of us as they see us achieving more and more of the truth of what God has got for us. Does that make sense? Yeah, you'll become God magnets. And that's good. Yeah, people will be drawn to you because there will be more and more and more change taking place. They want to know about this Jesus who's doing so much in your life already and who died for all mankind and desires relationship with all 8 billion people on the planet. Mm, 8 billion, nearly. So there we are. Do you know there are people in your hearts right now who you want to see come into the kingdom of God and God is moving on their lives? Believe that. That's happening right now. Right now, God is moving in people, and you think, I want that person saved. I want that person walking with God. God's moving on those people right now. 
And he has been for a long time, and he will continue to do so. So see that. See that happening, and hold on to that truth, because that there is going to come. Your prayers are far more effective than we know. Amen? Yeah, it's true. Anyway, I'm off the page a bit, so let's get back to the page. Growing as a disciple is about our lives becoming more transformed into their new identity. Okay? It's about leaving our old identity behind and growing more and more into our new identity. So how is this done? Well, lots of things we're go- uh, it could be, we could look at, but there's one specific thing that we're going to keep on coming back to. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 to 18, says the following. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Outwardly, we are wasting away. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, like when you cut up on the road, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Tough situations that we go through, difficult situations that we go through, bring to the surface of our hearts things that need to be dealt with. It's like a shake-up. It's like when you shake something up that's got muck at the bottom of it, and it just rises to the top. All right? If you've never seen that happen before, just get some soil and put it in. Let it settle up at the bottom, and then shake the glass until it comes to the top. That's what happens. A shaking happens when we go through rubbish, when we go through troubles, when we go through difficult situations. And we can push it all the way back down again and say, I'm not dealing with that, thank you very much. Or we can let it be dealt with. And we're going to look at this because every single circumstance every single circumstance that evokes a negative reaction or a negative emotion is an opportunity for us to learn from. Okay? And we do this by asking Jesus, what can you teach me, Jesus, through this? Why am I reacting like this? Where's this coming from? What's happening here as I have this emotion? What's happening as I'm getting this feeling? Is this a lie that I'm currently believing that I need setting free from? Is this a past hurt that I need to be healed from? There's something that's going on that's causing the reaction like that. And it's, it's an interesting thing, but that's how Jesus deals with a whole load of our past hurts and past issues as we become more and more and more like him. The more we ask him what the problem is, where this lie is coming from, and then lean in to hear Jesus speak. Lean into Jesus. Ask him what's going on. Where's that lie? Ask him to identify that lie. And then to hear him speak the truth to us. To hear him speak the truth of what the situation really is. To get that fresh take on reality. Well, that breaks the chain off you. That breaks it completely. And that brings transformation. It sets us free. And it changes us to become more and more like Jesus. Romans 12, verse 2, puts it like this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. The New Living Translation says, be cha- uh, let God change the way you think. Which puts it in a slightly different context, but it's still the same thing. 
Transformation to be more like Jesus happens by the renewing of our mind, by us understanding what the truth is rather than the lies, by understanding what reality is rather than what we're currently going through. Make sense? Yeah? It's finding out. Actually, your heart's already been changed. God's given you a new heart. You are a new creation. That's the situation. Actually, we are new creations. That wasn't a lie. You are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. We have a brand new spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us, each and every single one of us. Yeah, do you believe that? You need to. That's the start. We have to go. We have to begin from there. We've been given a heart of flesh, not of stone. We have got all of that changed. But the Bible says you still need to renew your mind. There's still things. The battle takes place in the mind more than anywhere else. There's things that we carry off, and we need to have a look at it. Transformation. Well, God's done the heart part. God's done the spirit part. Transformation takes place as we now start unpicking some of those lies and then making them into truth. Got it? This is exciting. This is a good future. You know, I'm excited. So, let's invite Jesus to change our minds. That's got to be good, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it a nice thing? It happens as we let God change the way we think. Um, I had a situation, when I was early, early few years of being a Christian, I had an issue that kept repeating itself again and again and again, and it was doing my head in. And I didn't know what to do, um, but someone suggested pray. So I prayed a lot, and I prayed, and I prayed, and nothing happened. I prayed, and the issue just kept on coming again and again and again. And it was getting me down again and again and again. And then God led me to the verse you are in Romans 6, 11. I know it still straight away because it's a key foundational scripture for my Christian walk. I am dead to sin and alive to Christ. And I just found that and I spoke it out over myself. I am dead to sin and alive to Christ. I am dead to sin. And every time this issue kept coming up, I'd speak it out. I'm dead to sin and alive to Christ. And it stopped. It just went away. Because of what I was doing was changing the way I thought. Make sense? I was realigning my thinking with God's way of thinking. Getting rid of stinking thinking, if you like. My thinking was, um, I, I have to do what this thought tells me to do, or I, I have to act in this particular way. This keeps coming up. That one scripture told me who I was in him, and I kept going back to it again and again. I am dead to sin. Sin has no power over my life. It has no sin. It's no sin. No sin has any power over any of our lives. That's the truth. We can feel like it does, but the truth is it has no power whatsoever. Dead to sin, alive to Christ. That just became such a foundational thing. Every single time this issue popped up, I'd speak it out. Maybe a few times, just to get it in there, because faith comes by... Nice. Okay. But the more I spoke it out, the more faith rose up and the more I grabbed it. Yeah? That's an important one. More, the, more A more recent one was when I, um, we went to Amsterdam, as most of you know, um, and I had a meeting with somebody when I returned, and I knew it was going to be a really horrible meeting um, because this person was going to be pretty mad with me. All right, so, so I'm, I'm aware that this is coming up. And Angie's, Angie's loving it. We're at the first day of Amsterdam. She's having a great time meeting people, um, writing lots of notes and all the rest of it. She's really enjoying it. And I'm just, all I think, every time I relax is, oh, I've got to have that meeting when I get back. And you know, I don't know whether you like me, but you know when fear and dread and intimidation's in the pit of your stomach, 
because you're thinking, I've got to deal with this when I get back, and I really don't want to have to deal with this, but I've got to deal with this situation. And it just was there all the time. And uh, the, first, the first day was about your relationship with God um, and, and letting God in on your life. And uh, it was Lisby Warren, for those who know her. She said she was leading it through, and she was interesting. She was talking about the stuff, well, some, some of it similar to this, but she finished it by saying, Ask God what lies are in your life at the moment. Ask God what lies you, you, that you maybe believe in. Now, I'm there. Now, all I'm feeling is fear at this point. All I'm feeling is intimidation. All I'm feeling is I really don't want to have to deal with this. So that's the feelings of here. And she's, and she's saying, ask God what lies are in you. And I'm like, well, there's nothing. I'll, I'll level with you here. I'm all right, actually. I don't, I'm not believing any lies. I'm pretty cool. I'm all right with this. But I guess there will be some people, so maybe I'll just listen up, and maybe there'll be some people that when I get back to church, that might benefit from this. So I'm at that kind of place, you know, where I'm thinking for other people rather than myself. So I, did, I clocked in with Jesus, being obedient. Jesus, is there anything in me that are lies that I need to, you know, give to you? I wrote half a side of A4. It was just non-stop. It was just like, what on earth is coming out here? It was all of this stuff was just things of, you know, you believe in that, you, you, you know, you're not good enough to do this, you believe in that you're a, you're a disappointment, you believe in that. It just kept on coming again and again and again. I was just, I'm writing all of these things down. But Jesus was just saying, these are lies that you're currently holding on to. I was like, okay, so what, what are the truths then, Jesus? What, what's the reality? If those are the lies, what's the reality? And so then I'm getting a whole load, I've got another side of A4, <laughs> which was about the truth. Well, actually... This is all lies. This is wrong. You are a delight to me. I am proud of you. You, have got, you are more than equipped. You are more than able to do this. And all of the things that just rebuked it and rebuked those lies over me. I wrote all them down. I've read them through a couple of times. And the fear, and I'm not lying, the fear just lifted like that. It just went away. The fear was a complete and utter emotional reaction to the lies that were on the inside of me. Are you with me? Yeah. So when I went to that meeting, when I came back from Amsterdam, when I went and spoke to that person, <laughs> that person immediately went on the offensive. It's the first thing that they, it always is. It was, it was an offensive kind of like, right, let's get at you. And instead of doing my normal defensive, oh, right, yeah, yeah, right, because sometimes dealing with this person can be like playing a game of chess. And you cannot go, right, okay, they've moved the, the knight there and I need to defend it with my pawn. That you are kind of like playing that game. This time, it, all that happened was I just, I did a love offensive. That's all I'll call it. Because they, they came at me with fear. They came at me with this attack. No fear was in my heart, and all that I did was love them back. You got it? I went back. How are you doing? You all right? Nice to see you. Or where's that face? I wasn't feeling like, oh, my word, they've got me. I will no, 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 no. I was just... Love was my response, not fear, not intimidation. And the lies that were right at the bottom of it had been driving that emotion again and again and again. Making any sense? Yeah? To some people, anyway. Okay. You might not find this useful at all. Maybe it was just me. But, um, but the lies, a lot of the time, we're not even aware of them. You're aware of the emotion, aren't you? You're aware of the fear. You're aware of the, 
well, you know, I'm not feeling great today. I'm not, you know, on all the rest of it. We're aware of the emotion. But what's driving the emotion? That's the point. Where is this coming from? If, it's, if the fruit of the Spirit is not evident, if we're not full of joy, full of peace, full of love, full of grace, if we're not there, then what's driving the fear? What's driving the, the whatever it is that we're experiencing? Let's get to the root because it's called the fruit of the Spirit for a reason. Yes? It's the fruit because it's growing from the root of the love of Jesus. Yeah, with me? It's growing from the root of the Spirit of God. And then the fruit is what comes out of it. Well, my was, I was rooted down in a complete lie, and the root of that was going, I'm not good enough, I'm just a disappointment, and the fruit was fear. You got me on that? Yeah. So the, we, dr- we have to drill down to the root to work out. You can't just deal with all of this stuff up here because it's still going to be coming up again and again and again. It's still going to be dealing with fear all the time if we just keep trying to push it down. But if we go down to the drilling, down to the root, Jesus, what's down there, then we allow him to actually do the hard work because he does all the hard work, actually. Yeah. Do you know you're not anxious? Did you know that? You're not an anxious person. Yeah? God did not give you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of a sound mind. If you were experiencing anxiety, experiencing fear, drill down. What is that then? Why is that there, Jesus? Are you with me? That's all all this preach is about is drilling down, asking Jesus to unravel this and say, what is it that this comes back to? Where is this? Is this a past hurt? Is this a lie? What is this that I'm experiencing here? And let him do the heavy work at that point. Let him just show it you, identify it to you, and then you can deal it with him. Because God doesn't want us to stay in the same place in our war with him. He wants to bring transformation. Being a disciple is an ongoing journey with Jesus. And every single negative moment in our lives is an opportunity for change an opportunity to take another step forward, another opportunity to move on and change for our good. Yes? Often we 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 think change is a bad word. Change is a good thing if it's going in this direction to Jesus. His power does the lot. Yeah, but you just let him move in. Let him take the lies. Let him put in his truth and focus on the truth. Fix our minds on what is truth. That's our role. Our role, fix our minds on the truth. He does the rest. And that's it. Okay, 